Hey everybody, I'm Tony. Welcome to Finding Subjects Podcast. Each week I head out with my camera, find a subject to photograph, person, place, or thing, it doesn't matter, then interview or discuss that subject, and then share it all with you right here on Finding Subjects Podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is Tony. Welcome to Finding Subjects. The other day, episode 74, Is God Real? posed a lot of crazy questions to me and really got my mind going and I couldn't just let it go like that. So today's episode, episode 75, God is real. I bring on my buddy Scott and we get deep in some serious conversation. Here we go. Here's Scott. All right, Tony, you want to start with the question? Well, the question, the question, the question I kind of posed to myself that was posed to me is God real? Yeah. And yeah. what's your take on that, Scott? How would you an- <laughs> how would you answer that if someone said to you, uh, Scott, is God real? Yeah, I would initially be kind of uh, at a loss for words initially. I think a little background: Tony sent me this. You sent me this text <clears throat> with this question, which made me want to respond to it in a way that I'm, I don't usually want to respond in, in uh, with a lot of words about. <clears throat> but uh, when I think about the question, initially, the, pr- the question is hard for me because I've never seriously in my life questioned if God was real. Uh, I think I would have to put into the equation, how is God real? That I've questioned in a number of ways. Uh, but if God is real, you know, chalk it up to perhaps to a lack of imagination on my part. I've never really doubted that God is where that God was. Uh, I just had a lot of ideas about how that is. So, uh, so that, that, that was the first thing that kind of provoked me about the question, is God real? Because ultimately, I think the way I would kind of rephrase that question besides how is God real, I think before I would do that, I would think, well, what is real? What is real? That, that's not a question of reality. You know, that's not me saying that everyone has their own relative truth and all of that. But what is real to me is going to be ultimately what points us to God, because God would be kind of the ultimate reality. So so if I ask myself, what is real? um, You know, greater minds than my own have come up with answers to this. And for me, someone like uh, Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas. You know, he uh, he kind of says, you know, everything is caused by something else. That That's the meaning of contingency. So if you want to find the source of what is, you ultimately have to go back to what went before, what went before that, went before that. And ultimately, you're really asking the question, why is there something rather than nothing? I, I agree with you. This is where I kind of started. I went all the way back to what was before, to the beginning basically to take it to the big bang if you wish to say that that energy yeah that far well that that's the thing like this so ultimately what aquinas says is uh thomas aquinas says is uh uh how do we avoid an infinite regress of causes you know so you came up up against the big bang and so then someone might say well what was before the big bang Um, and so Aquinas ultimately says, I think, uh, well, we don't know and I don't know, but that's what we call God. 
you know, without saying anything about God. So he, so he has this kind of empirical process, which isn't dependent on revelation, in, at least in this argument. This is just about looking at how things are. People have refuted this argument in a number of ways, but I think it. But I do, But I also think it comes to uh, just that question of that hurts my head and hurts me to the being, which is why is there something rather than nothing? You know, why does anything at all? And so you have to say, well, what was there before there was something? We can't even conceive of what nothing is, because the only way we can conceive of nothing is in our minds, by the absence of something. Well, what was there before there was something? Some people will say there was never a nothing before the something. And they might get into arguments from physics that maybe I don't understand. Uh, but, but, what, but, but what Aquinas does, and which was engaging to me, not just because I'm relying on Aquinas's argument, but based on some of the other information that I've gathered from my own experience and other readings. Uh, Aquinas suggests that because contingent reality, we, we are contingent beings, right? We, we are because something else is. We are because our parents are. We are because the water we drink. We have the water because of the atmosphere. We have the atmosphere because of the mass of the earth. Uh, we have the mass of the earth because uh, comets and other debris accreting into one kind of planet, and then gets back to your big bang. So we are contingent beings and everything in creation is contingent. It depends on something else. But so Aquinas suggests there is something that is non-contingent and therefore it is not a thing at all because a thing would be a being. So even to call God a being, even the most powerful being is missing the point. So what Aquinas says is uh, God is being itself. You can get this information. I'm rehearsing arguments that I've heard from uh, secondhand from other people and and from Aquinas himself. So this isn't unique, right? I, and hopefully I'm representing it fairly. Well, you're right so, on where I'm kind of coming from. It. I kind of initiate the conversation by basically uh, quoting what God says in the Bible, I am. And then yeah. comprehending that and trying to wrap our heads around that, that I said, we don't. I don't think that we can comprehend that because that is such yeah. a... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I even think, uh, well, I mean, it'd be interesting to look at the Hebrew, but I, I it, it might just be M, beingness, uh, one way of looking at it, rather than I am, rather than thinking of God as, uh, you know, a being, but the simple sheer act of being itself. Now, again, we can't imagine what nothingness is. Likewise, we can't, sim we can't, we can only have a glimpse of what being itself is, because being itself is kind of a non-contingent reality that contingent creatures can't uh, comprehend. Yeah, and, and so the interesting part about that, and this is where I think our thinking is going to dovetail based on what you told me earlier about energy and what you were, were implying. Um, and and, and I, yeah, I'll just say this part, right? Um, and, and at this point, I don't know if I'm representing Aquinas here, but this is the way I kind of uh, appropriate this argument, is that uh, if God is being itself, then anything that exists 
is a participation in being. So any contingent being like ourselves is a participation in being itself. So the fact that you exist uh, means that you are participating in the existence of God. We haven't said what God is besides, besides saying non-contingent and, and being itself. We said that, but we don't know what that really means. Um, so, so, you know, in kind of ordinary language, I think it would be when I look at you, Tony, um, the very fact that you are is an argument for God's existence. Uh, and not just you, because my thinking goes uh, closer to uh, a less anthropocentric point of view, I think, which is to say, like, it's not all about humans. And, uh, you know, when I look at that lamp, uh, when I look at the tree, when I look at the ground, that would not exist if it was not a participation in existence itself, which means that God is present to that thing. That's that's kind of different than saying God is in it, you know, as if God was small and inside of it, or uh, um, or th that God could potentially not be in it, as if it was a, a ghost moving from thing to thing. The very very fact that it is means that we cannot be separate from God. You can feel separate from God, and you can choose to be in a poor relationship with God, but you are. And this is from uh, Father Robert Barron, uh, and maybe, and, and I know he gets from Aquinas. You are relationship with God. That's your very identity, and you're so close to that God that you don't even know that you're in relationship with God because it's your very identity. You you can't choose to be in relationship with God or not be in relationship with God. You can just choose how that relationship's going to go. And you know, I mean. I think I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. So know? I know I had mentioned uh, the word energy to you, and when I'm trying to yeah. comprehend what what God, what the state of God would exist in, let's just substitute the word God for a minute, if we may, if we don't get yeah. persecuted for doing that by others, <laughs> uh, and utilize the word energy. You know, uh, according to Einstein and other uh, physicists. Energy has always been the one constant that has been. And it doesn't dissipate. It just maybe goes into different uh, objects, kind of like the tree, kind of like even a rock has energy, has uh, this, I don't want you to call it life, but again, energy. I um, yeah. And how you're saying you see a tree, a lamp, all of that as a, as a, as a participant is that what the word is, how you put that? Uh, as part yeah, participation of in yes. being itself. Yes, yes. Um, that's kind of what I was drawing out, just trying to help myself comprehend this enormous question that is very hard to, for the human mind to comprehend without getting yeah. very complicated. Well, these energies, I mean, this is the way that people talk about the Holy Spirit, I think. I think um, maybe the way some people talk about grace um, and depending, you know, what, uh, expression of Christianity you're coming from these these energies um, I, I think you know as soon as we if, if we talk about if we if we talk about God as being itself and something that we can't really characterize um, then then it makes sense to not talk about God at all but it also makes sense to speak about God in metaphor and poetry and talk about God indirectly so I think that might be part of what 
energy does. The one thing that concerns me and, and actually kind of concerns me about this question about if God is real, because another, if, if, I was, if I was asked that question, I'd have to say, okay, but what do you mean by God? Because there are a lot of popular understandings that elect certain people and so forth that I probably have nothing in common with that conception of God. Uh, um, so, so God, so when we start talking about anyway, we start talking about God, I think we ought to keep in mind that we're talking about uh, a metaphorical way of talking about it. Um, and, and energy, it'd be interesting to introduce energy into this kind of concept because what is our understanding of energy? Um, are we talking about a, a contingent reality? You know, is is God energy, which would imply that God is in some way contingent, or is God present to that energy in a way that, you know, it's a vehicle for God, but I'm even nervous about using that language, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of God is present to that, but maybe that itself is not God. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's and, and how my struggle is trying to classify that. Not that I have to classify that. I just was posed this question and I figured, well, there's a couple ways to approach this. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and you know, outside the box, within the box of being a Christian, you know, trying to look at maybe maybe that's a scientific way of trying to look at this question as well. Maybe that's what's really actually happening with me. Um, I, I go ahead. I'm sorry. I I. I I think that's I think it's really interesting because to ask the question about what is energy might get us closer. I mean, we we have this a priori uh, assumption, right, that in this conversation that God is being itself. Right. Okay, that might be wrong, Mm -hmm. but but that's what we're operating from. Right. From right now. Uh, I I should also say that it's not like Aquinas never talks about God as a being, but you know, I don't know, wrestle well, with that. Well, how, do you feel how you will. like how I, and I, I drew, I drew a, a comparison to like in biblical terms, how um, God is addressed as our father, you know, almost, almost a personification of God. So I don't, I don't know yeah. if that's intentional for us to better understand and relate to God, because if you truly think of and try to comprehend what God is, if it is, I am, which means God is everything. How do we even? I'm getting very technical here. I mean, the question—it doesn't have to get this it's necessary. Detail, but, but you know what? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a really cool dive into you know our basis of Christianity and what we're believing in. Uh, and basically, what I did say—I made—I made one point where, you know, I think a lot of us have the this ideal where God's sitting in the cloud with an old man with a beard, a white beard, and that's that's this image that we have of God, or we think of Jesus, God the Son, you know? Um, but th- have we ever stopped to, to try to comprehend exactly what God is? I mean, it's hard to, we can't define it because no one truly knows. It's all about faith, right? It's all about this uh, belief in this unseen entity, this entity that we cannot touch or hear, but it speaks to us through words, through the Bible, and yet we feel it. We feel the presence. I know I feel the presence. There's no doubt in my mind whether God is real or not, but posed with the question, is God real? Therein lies. And, and that's yeah. and that brings us to this idea of uh, well, how is God real? Because and, and how we talk about because even if you're gonna say God is an entity, right? I'm gonna back up and say nope. <laughs> uh, or or yes and no, maybe. I don't know. It just depends, right? I, I don't want to get into 
who's right or wrong about that, right? But but it does say how hard it is to talk about God because we have to talk about God that way, and right, and the Bible does. Um, so, you know, and that it comes down to also what you think about the Bible. I think, you know, one of the documents that came out of the Second Vatican Council for any Catholics that are listening or non-Catholics was the idea that uh, the Bible is the word of God in the words of men, in the mouths of men, you know, it's, uh, and so what that says, I mean, I think I, I have some loose threads in my head now from right. our conversation. Uh, this is what makes it dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that the idea that, um, uh, like the Bible is the word of God in the mouths of men. I like that phrasing, especially because it uses the word men, because I think either, I don't know if it's explicitly trying to make this point, but that, you know, the Bible was written in a particular historical, sociological, um, context, a political context. Uh, the Bible is politically curated to forward certain ideas above others. Um, it's written by certain people and not others. Um, and so any language itself is freighted with power structures and conflicts. So, you know, how we understand the Bible, I think, has to take into consideration not only all of those contexts, but also the literary genres that are used in the Bible. So we can't really, this could be controversial to some people, but I won't take it literally. Uh, there are some historical elements of the Bible. There are uh, legend uh, elements. There are debate elements, right? There are, there's poetry and song, uh, parable. I mean, you don't necessarily take it necessarily literally anyway i don't want to totally get into all of that no no offense to everybody I yeah, just, Apple, uh, yeah right. uh i mean we're, we're just kind of spitballing we I are mean, we, floating, you know, we are brainstorming floating here we're b floating ideas Flo we're, floating, just, we're floating ideas I, I actually my perspective is yeah. uh to to have a fundamentalist literalist perspective of the bible seems to me uh to not give god enough credit hmm. you know i think i know i know the impulse is to give god a lot of credit right but um uh, anyway, I don't, I don't know how we, know. we might, we might delete all of that. I don't know, but, um, uh, I, I'm not sure why we went down because you were talking about the Bible and having faith yeah. in, uh, well, a being, yeah, I, I, what I, did was I, I like the idea that there's this energy where God invites us into, uh, the questioning of what God is, because then when you stop questioning what God is, then God becomes uh, a political power tool of uh, uh, a litmus test, um, a standard. And then and then God, in a lot of popular iterations, and, and I think everybody's going to agree with this because there are a lot of different iterations. They just might disagree about what side they're on. I think God, in a lot of popular iterations, no longer resembles, say, the teachings of Jesus. And, and that, that's kind of what concerns me about literal language and stuff like that. And that's why it's interesting for me to ask not simply is God real, because then you're assuming certain things about God, but how is God real? And um, well, I think one leads into the other. I think we started with is God real, and then it's leading us into this how is God real? Because ultimately, I think, yeah, I mean, I think Aquinas, you know, will say, like, if God is non contingent, if the non contingent ground of contingency, we're, oh, we're, we're left kind of speechless and saying, well, what is that? And then you say, well, how, how is that in the contingent world? And so a Christian will have, uh, you know, Jesus to look at. 
and how do we know about Jesus? You look at the Bible and then, you know, and then Christians will disagree about like the place of privilege of the Bible and its role in tradition, you know, and, and all of that, which is not interesting to us right now, I don't think. Um, but, but, but back to your idea of energy, um, that seems to me really interesting. This is why I went on that tangent, I think, is because the question of, well, how is God? And, and you're inclined, if you're inclined to see God as energy, what is that energy? And uh, I think a one way of thinking about it is thinking of, uh, of what, how, how do we participate in God? And I think the most compelling argument for that is we participate in God by loving. If God is love, I mean, that's another assumption. Uh, some people think God is a powerful king, so you participate in God by being a powerful king and lording it over other people. Some people, th- you know, uh, you know, team Jesus, and and some people think that uh, actually, when G- when Jesus gave us the Sermon on the Mount, that he was actually laying out something that we could accomplish, and that accomplish would accomplishment would entail uh, humility and love and peacemaking and open table fellowship and justice, um, which is different than say like the incarnational theology, which thinks of, uh, of Jesus as God come to earth and was, wasn't really was better than humans, you know? Uh, so there are two ways of looking, for example, at the sermon on the Mount. One is that, uh, Jesus gave us this teaching in order to, because Jesus knew it was impossible to practice, to really love this way, this agape love, to actively will the good of the other as the other without self-interest. One point of view is to say that that's impossible. So Jesus taught us that to tell, to remind us of how we can't do anything without Jesus and God. And then there's another way of looking at it, which is, which leads to kind of the social justice route, which says, no, Jesus was giving this as an invitation to participate in the love of God, which manifests in the energy of Jesus. And Very so cool. maybe that energy, it, yeah. you know, I'm trying to, you know, connect the energy. Yeah. energy of love. Right. And, and it's important then, well, how do we define love? Is it my tribe versus your tribe? I love my tribe. And therefore to prove my love for my tribe, I have to fight another tribe. And that's a popular conception of Christianity uh, among some, uh, or is it um, I love all people and therefore uh how can i humbly work in the interest of others without considering it a deal you know that i do something good for you and you give it back to me is that love or is that self-interest uh so so i I just think that question of how is god real and this this insight of god is energy might kind of dovetail in that way of thinking off the top of my head i I'm sure people could, uh, well, could say, qualify. These or are just conversations object. here. We're not declaring this is Bible. You know, this is this is how it is. We're just talking. And I w- two friends mm-hmm. talking about a very interesting converse, uh, question. Yeah, and, and I think it's built in to say that this isn't absolute. Right. For, from, you know, from the perspective that I'm presenting, I couldn't say that this is absolute because then I would be kind of limiting the limitless God. You notice how I'm being quiet? I'm a good listener lately. <laughs> You're always a good listener. Yeah, well, you know what? I question me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is really this is indulging me because I talk over people all the time. I think. All right. Well, I don't so. think so. I mean, like I said, this is. Uh, and again, this is. I. You're the guy. I feel as if uh, you were the right guy to be talking about 
about this question, you know? And again, to me, you know, I've had my faith for as long as I can remember from a very young child. Uh, just, it, it just has been. I don't know, I mean, I, I was probably eight, nine years old, you know what I mean, when I was like, you know what, man? You know, like I, I can see, I am a Christian. You know, I, I had my own relationship with God. So when this kid, or this, this guy, friend of mine, uh, posed that question, is God real? And, uh, you know, I have some doubts, basically, is what he was saying in his question. I felt compelled to answer and try to solidify his faith, but not feeling adequate enough to do that, because who am I to try to explain what God is when God himself, God itself says, I am, which is all encompassing. It's like mind blowing. I think you, I think you have to just speak, speak from your experience, right? Exactly. And just say like, this is my experience. And I, I, I'm really partial to the idea that, um, some ideas of God should die. You know, if, if I'm, if I'm, that's not where I, I started with one half of the sentence and finished with another idea, but I was going to say I'm partial to should, the idea. Should we edit that? <laughs> no, I don't care. Because right. uh, it just shows yeah, we're that thinking. I don't really know what I'm talking about no, anyway. No. So I, I'm partial to the idea that faith is not an either or proposition, that you either have faith or that you don't have faith, but that there are stages to faith that are appropriate to your stage of psychosocial development. Um and uh, like, you know that I'm aware of how some of the things that I'm saying could trigger different people because they would have triggered me at different points in my yeah. my, my life. Yeah, but yeah. I'm trying not to um, uh, censor myself. Besides that, just a little hiccup. So the idea that there are level, there are stages of faith um, that are appropriate to your development, and uh, and what happens is uh, James Fowler talked about this evolution of the stages of faith so that it's not like in faith he he's uh t to cite the protestant theologian uh paul tillich is a relationship to your ultimate concern so everybody has some kind of god everybody has a god you know what is their ultimate concern and their relationship to that ultimate concern is their faith uh, and so that evolves throughout people's lives even and i think it has to because i think if God is like this infinite, your your idea of God is going to evolve because it's never going to be satisfactory. I, I would think, I would guess, if that if that's if that's true about God. So you could probably tell me this. Doesn't Saint Paul say something about uh, you know when I was a child, I thought as a child, and when I grew up, I had to let go of childish ideas uh, and things. I think this applies to the faith and to ideas about God. It's it's appropriate for a, a person of a certain age to think of God as a man on a cloud with a beard because there's this like concrete operational thinking happening where you, you learn that the world is made of objects and your imagination hasn't kicked in yet. Uh, but then when you get older, you, you're able to think a little bit differently and uh, not be so tied to the concrete ideas. Um, and so, so then you could talk about God as being itself. I'm not sure I could have that conversation with a five or seven year old, right? Right. And so, but a lot of us go through life with those really young ide ideas is what Fowler is suggesting. You know? I agree with that. And, and that kind of like instigated my thoughts in regards to that, like 
how many of us take that next step and dare to open our minds even further and investigate even further these questions that we pose today? You know, it's exactly it, it, yeah. right because you 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 eventually you're eventually going to run into some kind of crisis about that idea because you're going to say, if this is God, how can God be real? You know, the classic example is the Holocaust and slavery. Classic examples. Um, you know, if God is in charge of everything, and every and God has a plan for everybody, are you going to tell me that God had a plan to uh, slaughter a million people uh, and enslave people? Well, maybe then you have to say, well, maybe God, maybe if God does have a plan, it's it's different than what I uh, it, the plan operates differently than what I thought. And then, you know, I would come back to like, well, yeah, the plan is to have you love and you can choose whether you're going to love or not, you know, and people have chosen not to love, you know, how big is your love becomes the question then, you know, how big is your love? Who does it include? Uh, how big is your forgiveness and all of that? So anyway, the whole point, you know, just to come back to that idea is that the kind of crisis and doubt an argument with God like Job is probably necessary for faith because we have radically inadequate conceptions of God. And in order to continually grow into, uh, if we're made in the image of God and we're growing in likeness to God, uh, to grow in likeness to God, we've got to um, expand. Well, I couldn't end it just there. As you could probably guess, that conversation was much more than 30 minutes. But we got another 30 minutes coming up for you this Thursday where Scott and I continue this conversation and draw in how a little bit of mindfulness and seeing God in everything kind of comes into play. All right, that's all I got. Thank you very much for listening to Finding Subjects. Hey, findingsubjects at verizon.net for an email. You can contact me that way. Finding Subjects Podcast on Instagram, Finding Subjects Podcast on Twitter, and Finding Subjects Podcast on Facebook as well. Uh, we always put a picture up, and the show is supposed to always be about a picture and then the story behind the picture. Yeah, sometimes it's just about the story. Check out Instagram because we put a picture up every day. All right, that's all I got. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll look forward to uh, talking next time. Take care. See you. Bye.